this this trust that we have right now is like real. <laughs> Sorry. Like, Sorry, I lived in. <laughs> there's no trust between us right now. Wow. <laughs> I lived in Vietnam for one year, so I don't trust anybody. Okay. Hi everyone, it is your host Nina from Pass the Poutine Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. I, you might be. Like, this is the oldest person I, I know. Wait, that doesn't sound right. It makes it sound like you're really old. We're the same age, but we have, we knew each other since high school. Um, I have my friend Aaron on the podcast. Or not high school. Did I say high school? You did. I did say high school. Okay, sorry. My friends since elementary school. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Same old, living the dream. <laughs> living the dream, man. So I'm really glad you're here today. We actually haven't spoken in 17 years, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, about it, it. Yeah, like something super long. Um, you actually disappeared after el- elementary school, was it? Yeah, after elementary school, I went to high school that was f- outside or further away where everybody else went. And within Wait, was my... it still in Vancouver? Or? Yes, yes. So I actually went to David Thompson Secondary. Oh, you went to DT. I went to DT. I want to. I kind of want to get a little bit deep and talk about like our troubled upbringing because I feel like we resonate and we kind of connect in that we both um, grew up in households that weren't like ideal, right? And and you were telling me how you grew up uh, with a single mother. Yeah, essentially. So um, I guess just to give, again, a little bit of background. Uh, my dad wasn't really there when uh, just growing up in general. Uh, he was in the slammer, or you could call it jail. <laughs> and yeah. by the time I think I was around grade five or six was when he came out and he, he just reappeared back in my life, right? But between that time, yeah, it, was, it has always been my mom. She's been working and just raising me. Her doing her single mom thing and me going to school. It, it was different, definitely different. But you know what? I, I believe that in our elementary school, like there were a lot of us that were similar where our parents or we had very dysfunctional families. In terms of other folks, I can't say for sure but it's just it's just a sense it's a feeling because when i reflect back to it you know everybody had their issues and whether it's whether it's like wealth or it's significance it comes down to like neighborhoods being you know like this is like a rich neighborhood and this is like a like upper middle class and lower class neighborhood and i think we 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 did uh go to the same elementary school meaning we we were in east vancouver and the kids kids we went to school weren't like the richest kids no, definitely not. We, and, we, didn't, um, we didn't live in Vancouver or West Van. No, definitely not. And even, like, you know what, come to think of it now, there were some classmates that re- I realized till recently that they were even, they were suffering. I'm not sure if you remember this girl named Elizabeth. She was one of the very few Caucasian students. She, she had, like, Down syndrome. Or so she had some kind of mental illness, and she was kind of slow. But I never really clicked on at first, but I... Just looking at the way she interacted, she was super timid, and any kind of quick gestures around her, she would flinch and stuff. Like, to me, that's like, oh man, like maybe she was abused and whatsoever, right? So oh. like, just, just, just like, reflecting back on it, there were a lot of everybody had their own story. That's I think, that's my conclusion, right? 
Yeah, it was hard, like, uh, growing up in that area. Do you have any siblings? I have a younger sister. So when you were growing up, uh, so it was your mom and you and your younger sister? Yes. So essentially, like, how, what happened was growing up, like, it was me, me and my mom at first, and then um, during, because my dad would have visitation rights, right? So then we would actually go over to Nanaimo on the island, and then, you know, they made love while my dad was still in the slammer and uh, out popped my sister. I know we're going deep, Aaron, but I didn't, I didn't mean, like, literally. <laughs> Whatever. We're, we're making this podcast interesting, right? Is that okay, not the whole point? Okay, let's do it. That's true, that's true. We're let's passing the poutine. It. Okay. Oh, my God, no. You're going to ruin my podcast name. Oh, okay, okay. Wait, so your parents would meet and then they would... Um, do their adult things, and then while yeah. you and your sister were like, we would be probably staying with my my grandma, my grandma, mm. right? So my, my and at that time, my grandma would be living with my cousin. What was it like when you were a kid, like visiting your dad in jail? You know what? Personally, it didn't really mean much to me at all because he was never there, right? So I was just, oh, it's my dad, whatever. It's like you know, mom. My mom told me to call him my dad, so I'm like, oh, hey, dad. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like another stranger. Yeah, age. like like dad doesn't actually mean like dad, like in the sense of like father figure or anything, but it's just a word. Yeah, exactly. It's just the wow. label. Dang, dude. And obviously until he reappeared, right? He came back around like when I was grade grade five or six. But oh. growing up, yeah, no, growing up was uh, definitely very interesting, especially like looking at it now and how the normal kids would grow up versus what we had or what our environment had, right? What, like, what would you say, the, how did the normal kids grow up? When I say the normal kids, I'll probably refer to more so the Caucasians. Like they had a lot of love, you know, um, even going back to one of your podcasts with I think Lynette or one of yeah. one of your guests, yeah, like Lynette. they were saying how um, you know the, the Caucasian families they would talk about everything you know uh, when it came to sex when it came to issues you know their approaches we're not going to be your parents we're going to be your best friend we want to talk right. about things right and just that it's it was a whole different complete different culture on how one would raise their kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas at least in my family, like my parents had the mentality or the mindset of survival still. Right. It's right. about getting, putting food on the table. Be thankful for what you have. You know, there's more to life than just material things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was no hugging or kissing or, you know, any of the affectionate stuff. Right. For me, it was similar in that, like, I grew up with uh, my dad, single father, um, but I also had a ton of brothers. So it it always felt like a full house. But again, I've always struggled with, like, a female role model in my life because as a female, I never, like, had a, I never really had a mom growing up. Uh, And for you, it's like, for you, you never really had, like, a a male figure growing up, right? And then, yeah, like, so I guess my question is, how did you, in a sense, like, learn how to be a man without a proper male role model in your life? Uh, it's actually very interesting how, you, uh, why you're, how you're asking this question right off the bat. Um, through failure. Uh, through failure, failure, through trial and error. Especially in our environment, too. You know how, like, kids growing up, we always, at least the boys, like, I can't speak for the girls, but, you know, we're about significance, right? We we have the mentality thinking that we all have something to prove. We want to be that big name, you know? We want to be that, that big, tough guy that, that everybody, everybody around the block knew, 
we want to be popular, right? So like, at first I tried, you know, you try to perceive that image, you know, give that image, and uh, fake it till you make it, kind of. Basically, yeah, fake it till you make it, and try to be hardcore. At least back then, that was like the term, right? That was the term. Yeah, if you're hardcore, you were cool. Yeah, you were cool, and that's all that mattered, right? It didn't matter Mm. about grades or anything like that. It's all about your image. It's about what you've done, what you did, you know, like who you fought, and like which which gang or which neighborhood crowd you're you're rolling with, right? So, um, but in terms of becoming a man, no, just at first it was like that, but it it was a series of trial and error, and even till um, right now as of today, I'm still going through trial and error, just trying to become a better man, a good man, you know, like a role model in this world. For the, for the kids that don't have that role model out there, right? Yeah, I know it's really tough. Like, uh, for, <laughs> for me, I still feel like I struggle all the time with, like, how do I be a woman? Like, how can I be feminine? Because I was uh, raised in such a masculine household like so um I I remember when I did I had a I have well I have a cousin that I don't talk to anymore but she I think she's like 10 years older than me so I would hang out with her sometimes but I remember every time I would hang out with her she'd be like you have to like cross your legs like this um (laughs) like you know like if you're wearing a skirt like your leg has to be tucked under it like this and but like it, it was so it was so much that eventually because I never grew up with a mom so I never really had that nagging so I was never yes. used to it. But you know, with men, men don't really nag much, right? They're just like, like if, if it's nagging, it's like wash the dishes because it's a fucking mess or something, right? Yeah. But it's never like the little like, hey, women have to sit like this and women have to, or like your vo- the volume of your voice has to be like this. And, and women like, <laughs> so I never had that growing up um, until I, like, I hung out with my cousin a couple times. And after a while, I was just like, I will never hang out with this woman again because she is a nightmare. It's, it's weird because for me, I find it hard to... Um, really have close female friendships because I feel like mm-hmm. other women or other females I'm around, of course, they're raised by women and, and then they act a certain way. And then when I don't act in line with that, then they're like, why is she so weird? Why is she like this? So so for me, it's always been like a struggle trying to make like proper female friendships. And when it comes to friendships with guys, it's like, it's weird too because I feel like I can never have a proper friendship with a guy because I feel like from a guy's point of view, why would they need female friends? It's just something yeah. I struggled a lot with was making like real friends when I was like, yeah, in my early 20s, which I guess we could say is like 10 years ago now. It's always been tough. Like I remember I would say to my girlfriends like, oh, I wish I could just have the type of friendship that guys have with other guys. Because I feel like with women, it's so hard to find that if it exists right because yeah. because like you know this is like a stupid example but you know like the show the bachelor or the okay, bachelorette yep. yeah right so i feel like on the bachelor a lot of the girls are like really catty and like oh it's like really hard seeing my boyfriend with other guys, like other girls or whatever um i'm sure like some of them still become friends after right but when yeah. you watch the bachelorette and it's like 25 guys it's like a, a frat house and they're like hey bro <laughs> like jealousy is like at a very like it's at a min- minimal like yeah. level right and, and that's what i mean when i talk about guy friendships right because guys are like hey i'm just here to have fun like i'm just here for the ride whereas women i think sometimes take things so seriously it's like literally you're on a game show with 25 other women competing for one <laughs> dude right like yeah. i think if, if i was the other women like 
Like, just be here. Like, have fun, right? Like, make Yeah, exactly. Chances are you're not going to end up with the guy at the end, but at least you can make 24 other friends, maybe, right? And I feel like the guys look at it from that perspective, and the women look at it like it's this Prince Charming and he's never going to come again. So that's kind of what I mean. Um, I also was raised by men, so I kind of have that mindset. And then when I try to share it with other women, it's... It's pretty hard for them to, like, understand what I'm talking about sometimes. So I'm just like, okay, whatever. So I know you moved to Edmonton, like, in high school, you know, moving from Vancouver. Super Asian-heavy population. Yes. And then Edmonton, I'm assuming quite white. Um, yes, especially the, specifically the neighborhood I I moved to. Moving to Edmonton, it was definitely a huge shocker for me, right? Um, one of the biggest things is, biggest things I've learned is to not care about what people think. Because, mm. you know, in, in Edmonton, being a minority, at least in my mind, I thought I was a minority. And I thought that, I personally thought that was a sign of weakness, right? So in mm-hmm. my mind, I'm telling myself, man, I'm weak. I got to. I got to find some way to like, you know, round Proof. up some other Asian, you know, Asian boys or <laughs> oh, something really? like that, you know. <laughs> That's like it's a just, Vancouver mentality. <laughs> it, it is. It's it's a very toxic mentality, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know what? It's, but essentially at first I started doing that, but, and I also like, I also isolated myself from everybody else because I, I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm Asian. I'm, we're so much better than these Caucasians or whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of had that elitist mindset too. It's Vancouver mindset. <laughs> yeah, and but just being in, in Alberta, um, the kindness of people there. Uh, mm. Even the, I've learned to just not care, just let go of like my ego. I've learned to basically appreciate the simple things in life. When you first got there, as like, a thirteen or fourteen year old. As a thirteen, fourteen year old, really? you know, I've learned to acknowledge diversity. You know, there's no superior race or class. You know, um, and it's it's kind of hard too because when I first moved to Edmonton, I actually suffered from depression. Like my parents ripped my, all my connections away from me, right? And obviously, their purpose of doing that was to get me. Uh, they wanted a better future for me. I didn't. I did not have the best environment in Vancouver, and it was not leading up to it too, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they isolated me and. There were times where, like, I didn't go to school and I would just. What I'd would you stay do when you wouldn't go to school? I'd oh, stay at home and mope, mope, mope alone. Aaron, and we no, have it's, the same life. <laughs> no, but it's, you know, it's something that, you know, I, I almost think that almost everybody goes through it. Maybe not the exact same thing, but at least a very similar variation of it, right? Essentially, going through this phase kind of made me self-reflect. And with my mom, she's not a quitter, right? She, growing up, she kind of gave me the mentality to never give up. You got to fight for whatever you want. So then, during my phase of depression, it got to the point where it was so low. I thought I I thought about taking my life, right? When you were fourteen. When I was fourteen, I thought about taking my life, and but then obviously that mindset came came back again, right? Where, like, I, I would ask myself, what do I want to do? Like, what would my mom do? Like, I still have friends in Vancouver. It wouldn't make any sense. I'd be a pussy, right? Like, why am I oh giving up just because I'm somewhere else, right? Yeah. So it was during this phase where I've learned to 
where I've opened my eyes and you know you had all these white kids that are being super nice to me but I thought they were being they're pitying me because I'm Asian whatsoever right oh that's how you felt like I felt pity I I, I just I because I felt so superior but I felt like they were looking down on me and it's it has to do with the whole race thing too right 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 but but eventually I opened my eyes like, no, these these people were raised right. Well, I wouldn't say right, but they were raised better than how I was raised, you know? Right, right. Like, like there was no hate. There was, they didn't, they weren't living because they thought they had something to prove, you know? Their parents were putting them through, like, different, co- like, different classes, you know? They're trying to, their parents were showing them love. These kids were full of love, you know? They were communicating the right way, you know? Even when it came to, um just talking with one another they showed the importance of presence eye contact you know whereas mm. back in vancouver it's like you you're you're walking down and you're staring at some you're staring at somebody's eyes they think you want beef because you're staring them down right yeah you want to fight you know? yeah so it it was a different culture like different environment and um for once there was like no there was no hatred there was no jealousy like materialism wasn't even a thing in my neighborhood, I grew up around, and I grew up around on. If for all you Edmonton listeners out there, I grew up in River Bend, so that's like a pretty well-off neighborhood. And you know, you like, grew up in a rich neighbor, white neighborhood. In Edmonton, yeah. Damn, and, you're fancy. And no, it's my parents, not me. But yeah. at the end of the day, like they were being human beings, they were living their life. They weren't so stuck up on how society or how society perceives perceived them, right? Like, they're being happy, they're chasing their goals. And when it came to, like, even school, like, you had these you had these folks that were, or just classmates that were super smart, but when you're looking at it, they weren't studying all the time. Because you know how they say, you have, we have, or Asians have that stereotype where they're like, you're always, you should always study. Your parents are yeah. always, like, getting you to totally. study and stuff, right? But they weren't doing that. Like, I was playing, I'd be playing basketball with some of them, and then they would go home, like, you know, study for an hour and then just hit the hay. Whereas, like, you know, my mom's like, did you study yet? Like, why are you going out? You know, like, yeah. are you going to be a useless member of society? But actually, in terms, I found that what the Caucasian families were teaching their kids was to enjoy their life and to find a good balance. And I think that has a great impact on how they did educationally and just to work smarter, not harder, right? Mm-hmm. But no, it was a giant culture shock. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I I also, when I was 14, my family moved me to a white area. <laughs> um, yeah. Still in BC and like only 45 kilometers outside, 50 kilometers outside. But still, like just 50 kilometers outside of Vancouver, it gets really white. And I remember doing the same thing you were doing when I would just like constantly skip school. I remember um, because my dad would work in Vancouver and my high school was here. My older brother was always on my side. I'm so lucky I had him. He would pretend to drive me to school. So we'd like get in the car and we'd leave. And then like he'd like drive me around the block a couple of times (laughs) to make sure my dad left. And when my dad left, we just went back home and then I just like chilled at home. And I think I did that for like two or three months. Um, I just like never went to school because I hated it so much because, well, I don't know, like, because I never really got to spend time with the white kids at that school Yeah. to, to know what they were really like. But I remember just going there and just being like, why is 
every single person white. Like, why am I the only non-white person here? Like, this feels so weird. I feel like I, have, I still suffer from, like, immense PTSD from this. Then, okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> eventually my dad, like, caved. And he because he worked in Vancouver, he would drive me back to Vancouver to go to the high school I went to before. Every single day. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, so I was having super long days, like 6 a.m. to like 7 or 8 p.m. I would get home just so I could go to the same high school in Vancouver. Because um, yeah. my dad worked there anyway. And then that only lasted till the end of that one year. And then I realized even the people in Vancouver were assholes to me too. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> what is life? So I ended up going to a high school in in this really white area a different one though so i went to three different high schools the the last high school i went to the the white kids weren't they weren't like great <laughs> it doesn't sound like no. your high school but because i i live in like the the boonies like bumfuck nowhere right so these yeah. kids are like they're not very well off right so again no. it's another poor area and when you get not well off white kids and they see someone who's not white they're like yep. get out of my fucking like oh yeah area right so the racism yeah racism is real um, <laughs> yeah i'll also say i'll also say like like there was some racism there were a little there was a little bit of racism but how so, did you approach it when it happened to you when it would happen when some somebody would say like something they'd be like oh ching chong or they'll, they'll be like hey uh chinese man walking down the hallway and shit you know like <laughs> they pull that kind of shit on me right yeah, 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 yeah. so then i'd actually walk up to them and confront them yeah what, what would you say though i tell them watch their mouth or like you know it'd be mm. like we'd be we'd be pushing each other back back and forth around, um, against our lockers right i also came to the realization like you know young kids they were not taught to they were not taught how to deal with diversity right and mm-hmm. eventually growing up like these the same guy that said that to me like i'm actually really good friends with them right now like I that's how, like, the keep most, in touch. <laughs> that's you how know, the most it's... beautiful friendships start, hey? It's like when you, oh, when yeah. you start fighting, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, definitely racism was always there. And I find that in Alberta, it's there's a lot of unintentional racism. <laughs> like, you know, they, you kind of, they, they, kind of, they kind of paintbrush all Asians as, like, Chinese or something mm-hmm, uh, or, mm-hmm. uh, or Thai. So, for example, uh, one of my last jobs, um, when I first started, the director of fleet uh, management, um, he's like, hey, I know this really good Thai place. I'll bring you for lunch. I'm like, sure, whatever. Brings me in, it's like, pho. And I'm like, dude, this is not Thai oh, at all. He brings <laughs> you a beer restaurant? <laughs> you know? You know, it's it's like it's it's really unintentional, and it's also it's very innocent. You know, it's just it's, like you know what? I it's almost cute. It's, it's exactly. Like, right? It's kind of cute. Yeah, or it's like you know, oh like sushi is one of the best Chinese foods I love. You know, it's like I'm just like, dude, it, it doesn't work like that. Like that's not how it works. You're like you're like, uh, please try again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cute. You know what? I I lived in Alberta for a little bit, and I will say Albertans are super nice. Yeah. They're so nice. Like it it blew my mind because being from Vancouver, living in Vancouver my whole life. We're like, oh, Albertans are a bunch of rednecks, right? They're a bunch of like, <laughs> like uneducated rednecks that all they do is like drill oil and the wives don't work and they stay at home leeching off their husband's oil money and they're all conservative, so they're all stupid. That, that's like the liberal Vancouver mindset. Yeah. Uh, and then when I actually lived in Alberta, I was like, everyone is so nice. Like they're not racist at all. And if they are racist, it's like kind of cute. 
Like, yeah, like you said, no. right? Like, very rarely will you get a guy that's actually like, hey, you, ching chong, ding dong, ling long, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, I was actually so pleasantly surprised by Alberta. I think the, the racist one, like, you know how they're really racist? Is if they're racist in, like, an area where it's diverse, then you're like, oh, they're, like, the real racist. Because yeah. then they, they're educated, they know, and they still hate it. Whereas in Alberta, it's like, they're just not really exposed to it. Exactly. Yeah. And I I will attest, like, I I think I like to think of myself as somewhat humble <laughs> and kind and compassionate. You're pretty humble, <laughs> and I'll say, yeah. I think if I, that all came from Alberta, just, like, meeting people mm. and seeing how the mannerisms are, you know, like, I've learned to be kind, just learn to be humble and just, you know, take things for who they are and just try not to judge. dated white women yes (laughs) yes and i want to ask like what that's like you know being an asian man that's with white women because you know it's not a surprise (laughs) that asian when asian men are seen as like the least desirable when it comes we're only talking about race when it comes to men right because asian men are seen as like weak and feminine and like all of these things and then here you are dating like a white woman who is seen as like one of the most desirable, if not the most desirable type of women. Yeah. Um, so I guess a little gist of a little summary of my relationship. I'm no longer with my wife anymore. <laughs> okay. So yes. Erin she, she, she was my wife. Um, so you married, you were married to a Caucasian woman. I was married to a Caucasian woman. So we dated for seven years, but yeah, no, I'll start off when we first started dating. Her family was very warm and welcoming. Uh, and I was actually really surprised, you know, I thought like, you know, first day in, you're going to get the dad polishing the shotgun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) and especially you, like your, your, wait, before you met her family, like, how did you feel? Like, did you feel really anxious? Like nervous? Yeah. I actually like, I, I can't remember much about it, but I, I think I was like shitting bricks (laughs) because my, my, my wife or ex-wife, um, she she grew up in Edmonton and her parents were in the oil field right so she ended up most of her teens down in Houston so super super southern Houston Texas right so she wow. has that so she's like super white I'll, I'll put it that way yeah yeah, yeah. okay okay <laughs> right so um yeah and one of the traditions is when you first start dating I think on the first day or the second day you go see the parents so I was like this That's is pretty this is pretty quick. Like, are you serious? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know, swallow my pride. Let's go and fuck it. <laughs> oh my God. Right? So no, be- meeting both her mom and dad, um, it was eye opening. It was, I was so nervous at first, but they were the warmest and most wel- welcoming folks ever. Um, shook my hand, gave me a hug. Uh, it's almost as if they didn't see race. Like they didn't see that I was a, Chinese person, right, or oh Asian person, and yeah. even her, she had a younger brother, uh, and same deal. Came, shook my hand, and just introduced introduced himself to me. And um, during that, yeah, after that, we went to like the dining room table, and they started um, pouring out drinks, alcohol, and you know, it's it's just 
right off the bat they, they show you hospitality they're very hospital like sorry they give Hus- you the best treatment hospitable yeah hospitable <laughs> that's, that's the word right and then and then it's like right to the point like what's your name like how are you how are you like what do you do it's like well, where do you go to school or what are you studying you know so mm-hmm. um were they ever like what kind of asian are you <laughs> what kind of ching chong are you yeah they did they actually were they, they were very polite about that so they were like we see you're asian and then they're like are you chinese <laughs> like are you japanese are you vietnamese and then oh I'm they like, know no, the I'm difference not. they did so nice. um yeah uh, i told them yeah i'm chinese and then we started no they were her parents were probably the nicest people i've ever met and Aww. They're they're kind of like your staple in my mind your staple Caucasian family right they're Ugh, they my AKA my dream family <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, yeah this the dad was like even even the dad himself he's like your typical Texan looking guy super intimidating tall white guy just built mm-hmm. and you know he's, he's got like the most beautiful soul inside you know Aww. always happy always laughing you know just. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was it was scary but it wasn't after you know walking out there i had the biggest grin and i'm just like man the story is was, so cute aaron it was eye-opening <laughs> was it like but, when you were meeting her parents did you ever feel like wow is this the kind of household like i could have been born in if my parents or my household wasn't like the way it was in a sense no when when i started dating her it I felt that I was already comfortable with who I was. A lot of my mm. battles that came from the past, I've already come, come at peace with. When I more so just meeting her parents, it opened my eyes, and it kind of in my mind, it. I told myself like, this is how I want to raise my family going forward. I don't mm. want to do any of that generational bullshit where you had get hand things down we can't even communicate with our dads or our, or our moms you know and right show or you're my kids love yeah. yeah like you know you teach not with fear but with love right, you know, right. it's very eye-opening um mm-hmm. but, but it was also very, yeah very different but like when it came to first meeting the parents they were not judgmental at all it was an awesome experience even meeting the grandparents like the grandparents they lived one of the grandparents lived in a little small town called quinell and it's an hour away from prince george like even meeting the grandpa this guy's like old school german like he didn't believe the holocaust existed because he was so ashamed of it and like this guy's <laughs> i need to get him on the podcast <laughs> yeah and like his name's Garanot. <laughs> like that's oh how German God. it is, right? I love like it. even meeting him, he was, he was, you know, just super nice. Although he thought I was Japanese for about like a year and a half. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, you should have just no, kept the joke going forever. That I been I know, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, the the parents, the family, they were super warm and welcoming. Uh, even the aunts, the uncles, and in fact, what kind of helped was uh, my ex girlfriend or ex wife's father. One of his brothers has a Chinese wife, so I oh. think that that might have helped as well, right? Because yeah, it's not the first interracial couple in the family. Right, right. You're so. not starting a. You're not setting precedents. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, so. Aside from like meeting the parents, it was kind of it was a struggle at first. Uh, more so not on my end, but also more so on my ex-wife's side, 
because we would go out on dates and obviously you have remarks right like you have this Chinese guy dating this like bleach blonde haired like skinny green eyed woman you know people would say random stuff but like like can you give me an example of what they would say they'd be like ew like uh, for example they'd be like ew or, or they'll be like chink they'll, they'll right. just yell out racial slurs right and that would really impact my ex-wife at that time how would she react when people would say that she, to you guys she would feel ashamed like because she, she for her she really cared about how people perceived her right and perceived us mm-hmm. um so on my end i would always tell her hey don't don't listen to these guys like they're just jealous of us you know mm-hmm. and Aside from the negatives, we also had positives too, right? We always had a lot of people looking at us, uh, like giving us eye contact, but it wasn't like a dirty stink eye or anything like that, right? And um, so f- for me personally, it wasn't hard at all. When I, I would, I'd be walking proud and tall, you know, just being myself because I was happy with who I was, right? Mm-hmm. And I personally didn't give a fuck what other people said. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But but the struggle definitely, I believe, came more from her at first. But eventually it kind of died down and she came to understand, like, no, no matter what people thought, that it's not going to matter, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it was kind of difficult, too. And I'm kind of involved in the Chinese cult, like, Chinese community culturally. Mm-hmm. So during, like, Chinese New Year's, during, like, certain festivals, multicultural festivals, I'd be performing, right? Because I do martial arts, I do, like, sword forms and all that stuff. And then, obviously, I'd bring my ex-wife. So she'd be, like, that one white girl in front of this Chinese crowd. Girl. The token <laughs> white girl. And and then, like, yeah, with this white girl and, like, this Chinese crowd. And then you have the spectators who are a lot, mostly Caucasian, right? Because they're, like, yeah. intrigued with the culture. So she had to go through that. Um, But to answer your question, I think on my end, I didn't, it didn't really impact me that much. But one of my Asian roommates, he was like obsessed with white girls, you know, like Mm -hmm. he was like, oh, white girls are the best thing in the world. And then he also, like, liked Asian girls, but he low-key, like, hated Asian girls, too, because he's like, Asian women don't like Asian men, they only like white men, and blah, 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 blah. So then I would would just tell him, I would be like, oh, my younger brother, like, only dates white girls. Because at the time, he did only date white girls, uh, because we live in a very white area, so he didn't really have a choice, right? Yeah. Uh, So, and then when I said that to my roommate, he was like, Oh, your brother is a hero. He's a hero for all Asian men. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever felt like really proud walking around with a white woman on your arm. I'll put it this way. I felt proud walking with her, not because she was white, but I felt proud walking with her because I loved her and I, for who she was. And oh my like gosh. when I, when I was with... <laughs> like, yeah, I'm serious. Like, yeah, I felt inst- like at that time I felt indestructible whenever I was with her, right? Like, you were madly in love. Yeah, I was madly in love. Mm-hmm. But no, like I never looked at it as a race kind of thing. And it's about beautiful people in general. Like for me, it's like if I'm gonna date you, I don't care if you're black or white. You could be a black girl, and you could have the most beautiful. You could be the most beautiful black girl and have the most beautiful personality and soul, and I'll still date you. Right. I mean, that sounds like you, you. I don't think you said anything bad when you described the straights. So I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> just no, saying but, uh, but i know what you mean but i i don't know if you mind like kind of going into your relationship a little bit because you know you were together for such a long time and and from such a young age because you know now we're 28 and yep. and you got married it's not like you guys just dated and then you broke up you got married and now you're you have to go through a legal separation um yeah what is it like having to deal with this before you even turn the age of 30 because i i know um, we're like old but also we're still young and you're going through such a yeah um, thing it's you know it's not pleasant it's something i hope that nobody else has to go through at the end of the day if you're gonna ask me right now in my state of mind i don't regret a single thing it, it has always been a life lesson like i've learned so much through my relationship right um and again it sucks it really does suck you know uh especially with all the time invested and uh all all your memories and vice versa but um i try to look at it in, in a positive light so obviously it's a le- it's a lesson for me myself and I'm not going to make the same mistake again, right? I'm going to try to be the best person I am. I'm going to use this pain and motivation to become a better person, to develop myself even more, to make my purpose and to contribute to humanity, right? It's restore faith in humanity. Yeah. You know, so it's it it's definitely not pleasant, but um, personally, you no, know, even thinking about it now, we've gone through so much as a couple, right? Like... We started out as a long-distance relationship. We proved all the haters wrong, and, like, we made it work. And then, obviously, we got married in Vegas, right? And we did we did all that. <laughs> so, no, it's, 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 like, it's quite the journey. And, you know what, I don't want to take any of it back. It's, nice. it's an awesome learning experience, right? It's, yeah, that's such a, a great mindset to have. And, and speaking of mindset, I, I want to ask about your mindset because you you're like a very forward-looking progressive type of person and you know like you're very open-minded um can i ask like how you got that way like or who are some of your influencers my mindset mostly came from my mother so my mother she grew up in again a large asian household and she was the youngest female now out of all her brothers and sisters she was the most liberal but the family was very traditional. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she spoke out against, she, like she spoke what she, she spoke her mind. She did what she thought was right and not what she had to do. And um, just growing up being around her and she's kind of instro- instilled those values in me. Um, like for example, doing the right thing and not, you know, she would tell me, you know what, everybody goes through hardships, but it's about, the hardship itself going through it not giving up you know that's how you mm-hmm. grow that's how you learn my mom she's actually survived cancer three times and your mom has survived cancer three times three times oh and my god it's yeah, every time just witnessing her go through that battle it would be a tear in my heart but when i'm with her she she's always telling me it's not to worry Right, she's like, lift your soul. You're you're gonna do but nobody any good if you're just gonna be down and mopey. Like, be proud, walk tall, give life the middle finger, do the best you can. Right, mm-hmm. and that's she's definitely the role model on on how I get where I got my mindset from. Um, and to be fair, my mindset too has also evolved. 
uh, specifically going through my separation with my wife, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a big one because I'll tell you guys the truth. She was unfaithful to me, right? I found her being unfaithful to me with somebody I trusted, and that was a huge blow, but... Man, that's crazy. um, One of my buddies... He occasionally, re- he just like out of coincidence, coincidence reached out to me and I told him what happened and he's a very good friend of mine and he recommended some books for me to read. So by through reading a lot of self-development books, I've also learned to build my mindset even more and to connect the dots, right? I, I don't know how to say it, but I think I'm a firm believer in you can do what you actually want to do if you put everything into it and if you do things the right way. A lot of things is does have to do with the mindset. And I do feel that with our society nowadays, you know, with all the technology and influences we have, like it's kind of stripped us as human beings. Like it's taken our power away from our mindset, right? That that definitely came out from my recent counseling sessions and even a couple of books I've been reading, right? You so, go to therapy? Yeah, I've been getting. I've been going to therapy. Oh my god! Can you talk about that? Yeah. When did you know you wanted to start therapy, or when did you know you needed to start therapy? And then, how has it been going? It started recently. So, obviously, within my separation, there came a point in life where I started self-reflecting, my on the from the past, right? And um, this one event came up, and it was my old. It was this one old piano teacher that I would give her I would give her so much stress for right I'd make her life terrible because I would never practice and this and that Mm. and so what eventually happened was I reached out to her and I apologized and eventually we started communicating and then she knew something was up because she's like why why in the hell would this (laughs) this bastard this like bastard child come and apologize to me right i thought i I got rid of you years ago (laughs) yeah so eventually what happened was uh she she knew what was going on or something was going on i told her my story and she actually had a very similar story as well Mm. so she recommended me to get counseling and back then Mm. i was like oh i didn't think counseling would help right I, right. I want to do this myself. I've never really asked people for help. I didn't yeah. think there'd be any value to just paying somebody to just nod or ask you some open-ended questions. <laughs> right, <you know? laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally understand. But I know counseling definitely helped a lot. Um, in terms of, I guess, what goes on during a session, I just tell them about what I feel. Um He'll also talk about the different levels in life or measure, different measures in life that he uses and he tries to assess where I'm at with those levels. So an example of a level would be my spirituality, my, uh, my emotional level, my, my financial level, my entrepreneurial slash work life. And uh, I would basically express my, how I felt, I guess my feelings. Mm-hmm. in accordance to those measures right so um but overall i did find counseling helped but it was definitely weird because you know at least growing up i was told to, I, I was like taught to never speak your mind right or speak your feelings don't ever reveal them out because you know yeah asian, keep them inside asian, asian yeah, men. Keep them inside. asian men it's a sign of weakness right right, right. but then it's like when it comes to healing or 
getting better or just growing you don't it won't do you any good if you suppress these feelings right you have to release mm-hmm. them <laughs> right. like eventually eventually if you suppress them it's like it it bottles up and there's, there's going to be a boiling point right mm-hmm. so no that's that's uh, definitely a huge thing that uh, counseling has done for me do you ever feel like if you had a proper like father figure who you know talked to you and like allowed you to express these feelings that maybe counseling wouldn't necessarily be it's that's a very good question i've actually thought about that recently because um and i'm gonna be honest here like you asked right so one of the reasons why things didn't work out between my wife and i is because she felt that I didn't express my feelings out enough for her, right? Oh, really? Yeah. So, I I wasn't really that like the super lovey dovey emotional, right? It's like you know what I'm gonna I'm not gonna make you worry about finances. You're not gonna have to worry about this, that, that. And you know what? We're just gonna go out. And I don't like being showy in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's an Asian thing, right? So. Getting back to your question, though, I felt that if I had a proper father figure that would show me how to love or appreciate, um, I think that I wouldn't need to get counseling. I think that things would have turned out a little bit more differently, but maybe Mm -hmm. not. But uh, I think I would have shown more appreciation in my life to people that needed it. You know, I felt that because I've mm-hmm. been so reserved, whether this is my friend or this is a random stranger that's helped me out or whatsoever or vice versa or any kind of interaction, I felt that because I've kind of not shown my emotion, it didn't make their lives as, or my interaction the best that it can be, right? Because, you right. know, like we, the world grows both with an act of kindness, if we're kind with each other, if we're... And then, like, that leads on to happiness and all that kind of stuff, right? So, uh, so, so after this kind of reflection, um, now that you realize, like, communication is very important, and especially when you're in a relationship with a woman, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. communication is, is everything. Um, so, and, and now that you're seeing counseling, how have you communicated better? Like, in what ways have you, like, caught yourself when you're like, wow, I'm not communicating, and then... You're, you're changing that in terms of communicating better i am more open on a personal level to my friends i've i've so what i mean by that like i'll I'll speak my mind right obviously like i'll still speak my mind but i also go into more detail and depth if necessary and i think the biggest change is me opening up to my sister and mom because back then I would not have that kind of connection uh, with them, I right? Love this. Especially my sister, because she's had to live under say, my shadow. I was just your sister is probably over the fucking moon that you're talking to her about yourself and your feelings. Yeah, because uh, like back then I would be her forgotten, forgotten brother, right? She would never yeah. call me or anything. The only time she would is if she got kicked out of the house or if she needed backup <laughs> or like her boyfriend oh just God. being a dick. Yeah. And, but, but to be fair, my sister has gone through a lot, too, uh, mm-hmm. for her to even get to that state, right? But, like, she's had to live under my shadow. I'm expressing my emotions to her. Like, we're, we actually click pretty well, you know? And really? We're, we're able to, you know, tell each other things. And even even when it comes to relationships and advice, like, she's giving me advice. 
you know? so I'm like I'm like I'm like you know because there are times when like you're you can be emotionally down or whatsoever right and she'll sense that and it could be vice versa and I'll sense that and we'll just mm-hmm. we'll just reach out be like hey what's up like what's wrong what's going on you know yeah I love that I I know I know it's such a an Asian thing especially for siblings to not talk to each other and be close because like the yeah. environment is just not conducive to like share your feelings and be open right and for yeah. you to now do that uh you've opened this other pathway or door and this other like aspect of your relationship with your mom and your sister it's so funny that you bring that up because uh my one of my older brothers got married recently uh in like like just like two months ago or something oh congratulations yeah yeah so so me and my other older brother who's already married we flew to vietnam for for his my second brother's wedding and I was like, oh, this is my nightmare. I don't want to fly with my oldest brother. I hate him. He's so annoying. He's the worst. He ruined my life. He moved me to this terrible white area and stripped me away from all my friends. Like, I have this, like, huge resentment. This was this wedding was, like, a couple months ago. I still feel this. So I'm just like, it's very, it's very deep, right? And then yeah. I even made a joke um, when we got to the airport and we are flying Korean Air and when the lady was like taking our passports i was like please don't make me sit next to my brother i don't want to sit next to him (laughs) but anyway eventually um we're like on the flight and luckily i had um taken a weed brownie so i was like knocked out the entire flight so he couldn't talk to me even if he wanted to (laughs) but when we were in vietnam we ended up like sharing like a hotel room and then we would like obviously I had, i'm hanging out with my brother like for i think seven days straight 24 hours a day right and yeah and then he's like he's starting to like talk to me and like open up to me which is like something he's never ever done before like the only thing he's ever really said to me was like clean the dishes or like why don't you do that and then he's been like trying to open up to me like throughout the years like when i come visit him but i only visit him because i want to see my nephews and i still hate my brother right so yeah. So when I'm, like, playing with my nephews, he'll, like, try to talk to me, and I'll be like, stop talking to me. I just want to talk to my nephews right now. Um, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm such an asshole, I know. And then on that trip, he we would, like, walk around the lake together in Vietnam, and he's just like, you know, I know, like, I, I'm married now, and I have kids, and so we don't really get to talk or hang out, but, you know, like, I'm still your brother, and yeah. um, I care about you, and I know I don't really talk, and I was just like, I hate this conversation so much, I was like, ah, it's so weird, <laughs> it was, like, so uncomfortable, I was like, make it stop, make it go away, um, <laughs> but, you know, like, I think a a big part of me really did want to hear those things like, that I've never yes. heard before, right? Of course. But, you know, when I'm hearing it, it's, like, very uncomfortable, right? It's oh, yeah. Like very weird. And I'm sure it's even more uncomfortable for him to have I, to say it to me, right? I can attest to that. Like, it... <laughs> Like it, he probably summoned all the courage he had just to just let it out because oh again, God. I I don't know why it's an Asian thing. Well, I I guess we do uh, know why, but it's just I don't know. It just doesn't make sense, right? And totally. And it's just if we had been able to come confront this early on in the in our childhood years, you know, things could be totally different, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, right. And it's, it is definitely eye-opening and like 
for me, this is something something that has definitely scarred me because I know like if I if I ever start a family in the future, I for sure will not ever raise my my kids or my family how I was raised or how the stereotypical like Asian household was raised, right? Right. You're gonna break the curse. You're gonna break the cycle. We're gonna break the curse. You're gonna do that too, right? <laughs> I'm not gonna have a family, Aaron. You're so presumptuous. You don't know that. You're so presumptuous. How dare you? Just saying. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I know what you mean. It's just um, I think I have a lot of fear with like, even the idea of starting a family because, how because of how I grew up and I'm like, oh man, like I definitely don't want to like mess up my own kids but also i know i'm already messed up and i don't know if i can like guarantee that for my own children and i don't know if i have enough confidence in my own self to secure that so yeah there's just a lot of stuff i need to like work on well (laughs) i I I want you to know i i believe in you nina like thank you so much like i truly do you know when the time there's a saying where they're like you're never ready until it happens right oh god stop it i hate this conversation so much (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, my nightmare oh my god okay we're we're spilling the beans right man you spill all the beans like oh i appreciate you thank you so much for sharing all of that because i feel like you know what you go through and even you reflected it on uh, about yourself you're just like yeah i feel like a lot of people kind of go through what i go through it's not that uncommon right i think the thing why we think it may be uncommon is because people don't like to talk about it Right? Yes. Like we, it makes us so uncomfortable to talk about the shameful parts of our lives, right? Yes. It brings up a lot of pain and memory. And if we aren't at the stage where we kind of reflect at it and look at it and kind of overcome it, we might yeah. not ever talk about it. So I really appreciate you being able to share your story. And like maybe someone out there might like hear it and resonate with it and be like, oh, I'm not alone. And other people go through this. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There always is, and I, I believe there always is. It may not be the light that you're looking for, but there always is a light at the end of the tunnel. You're, you're yeah. so cheesy. It's oh, true. Man. Oh, man. Okay. Thank you, Aaron, so much for coming on my podcast. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. I'm your host Nina and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Pass, pass, pass. pass the poutine. Pass the poutine.